Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sacramento Kings podcast for Kings fans by Kings fans. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ziggy's Smoke Shop. You can follow Ziggy's on Instagram at ziggies.stockton. They have locations in Stockton and Tracy. We are coming off of a long off-season hiatus where Ryan and I took a break, mostly because there wasn't shit going on and it was the off-season, but we are really juiced to be back today for season four Kings guests. And for episode 147, um, if you are looking some, for some of our past episodes to see what we're talking about, you can always check us out on the Believe Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcast. Bringing my co-host today, as always, Ryan, was good. What's going on, everybody? It has been a minute, uh, but like Eric said, for good freaking reason, this was probably the most dead off season in the history of off seasons. Uh, so me and Eric just decided, you know what, let's take a little bit of a break. Cause we had been at it for three straight years, uh, bringing you this beautiful content, uh, from Kings cast. So we took a little break and I think it was good, Eric. I, 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 I enjoyed, you know, kind of not staying up late and, uh, recording for, you know, for the off season. Usually we get on here and the off season's so dry and I feel like we're trying to just drag out content and, uh, just searching for things to talk about. So uh, it was a good refresher, man. I, I am so pumped. We're about two weeks away from the season starting, and I'm energized. I'm refreshed, and I think this is going to be our best season yet of Kingscast. I'm I'm really hoping so, and I, I agree with you, man. Like, there was a minute, you know, that, that last season was so – the last couple of years have been hella long. You know, we're going back. We started the podcast in 2019, which – you know, it seems like that was just the other year, but it, I mean, years have passed by and we, we recorded through COVID when it was dead, the, the dead time through COVID we recorded. We always usually record through off season, but I agree with you. There wasn't shit going on. And, um, you know, I think, I think it was a good call because I, I, I needed that. I, I needed to check out, you know, especially last year where it was just day in day out and it was a good year last year, but the year before at the end of the season, I got really burnt out when the Kings just, you know, after that, they, they made that trade and, and they had some injuries in the end and, and all that. And, and I don't know, you know, you just go for so long. You're talking, you're, you're, t- you're thinking about the Kings all day, every day. You're talking about it. We're, we're on Kingsland. We're doing that. And so it was good to look. I, I actually been logged out of Kingsland for like six weeks. I haven't even logged in there. I haven't chatted. I'm doing anything. My notifications were wild. Um, I was looking Kingsland's back up. It's up to 7,000 members. Um, and then NBA ta- NBA talk is happening right now. And so, you know, we start to get the bug and we start get, to get the itch. It was nice to have the break to come in because we know we're about to go hard this season, hard as fuck, like you're saying, for, you know, hopefully our best season, hopefully the best Kings season since we've been doing Kings cats, which really was last season. But um, before we do that, Ryan, you know, we have to honor our, our folks that believe and uh, read the bet online ad. So I'm happy to be able to read the bet online ad, mostly because I had a great NFL betting month. We can talk about betting, and I probably want to bring up some of the Kings' futures. But before we do so, uh, football is back, and bet online is your number one source for all of your sports wagering info with all of the up-to-the-minute stats, news scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From all from week one all the way to college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today and or use your mobile device to get into the action. And remember, don't be a dumbass. Take advantage. Use the promo code Believe B L E A V to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. 
Um, you know, I don't want to fluff the episode with long talk, right? Just because it's been a minute and we have a lot of King stuff to get to. But like I said, a lot of big betting. I was logging on today. Um, I, I was emailing back and forth with the uh, some of the Believe producers. They hit us up, you know, with a show getting back on. And, you know, they a lot of people from outside of Kingsland are excited. You know, they're like, hey, you like the Bean Brothers? When someone tells me, which is all funny. They tell me that in the email. And these guys are, you know, out of state, different fans. And, and I replied back and I go, hopefully over 43 and a half times this season. That was what I was hoping for. Hopefully over 43 and a half times. What is that? Bean team shirt? Yeah, you said like the beam. So, you know, it's the inaugural, not inaugural, the initial episode of the season, you know, that first episode. So, uh, you know, I got the I got the beam team shirt on. Uh, it's always clutch real, you know, real quick because it's been a minute. But after the season, if you guys ever want some sweet gear, when the season ends, oh, it's just a fire sale. You go on freaking whatever it's called, uh, Fanatics or whatever the hell they whatever the hell it is. And you just get hella cheap ass gear. So right when the season ended, dude, I bought like three freaking light the beam shirts. I bought a beam team shirt. They're like 12 bucks, man. So, uh, you know, you said light the beam. So I just had to show it off real quick. Yeah. The, you know, something interesting about, well, the, the beam branded shit is going to be everywhere season because that came on kind of like as a season, it's just took off right randomly. Right. But one thing I was reading is last year that the in-store uh shops what they weren't really able to take advantage of all of that because i think it had something to do with the rights you know whoever had the rights and a lot of the the gear and a lot of gear was was made already so something like that so if you notice like during the year last year there wasn't really any beam shit inside Mm -hmm. any of the stores at all and i knew that was killing the kings for sure but you know that's changed because going into the year like everything's fucking branded i mean any any casual Kings fan that got picked up through the playoff, uh, you know, run last year uh, is going to be rocking the beam stuff in the arena. That's for sure. Playoff run. Yeah. <laughs> well, seven, you know, the seven, the seven games first series, um, you know, you know, going to a lot of games over the years and stuff. Uh, I, I got to be honest, man, the, the merch inside golden one is not, it's not the best. It's not the best for our listeners out there, you know, get online. There's much better shit that you can buy out there. But, uh, you know, every single game I go to, I walk, first thing I do is I, I get a beer and then I walk straight into the team store and just to see what's the merch of the game. Right. And then, you know, is there any new merch or hats out there? And it's pretty weak, especially this last year. It was kind of, you know, underwhelming. So hopefully this year, like you're saying, they get that, uh, that beam team rights or light the beam, what have you. And, uh, hopefully to get that new gear in there because I need it, man. I need it. I am I am so pumped, dude. So it was nothing like back, back, in, back in Arco Arena times, and they they kind of do like an item of the game. But back at the Arco Arena, they, that was the thing. They really used to do item of the game, and it was like dope shit that people wanted that they put on sale for that one game. And I got some hot items um, from back in the day. But I'm with you. Um, I mean, we can spend some time on that another episode, but. You know, the Kings came out with their new like city jerseys and some different logo stuff and all the jerseys they're coming out this year. But um, yeah, gear is better. Uh, where do you want to break it in, man? The long off season. I mean, you know, there's so much to talk about, but not really. I mean, we can talk about some of the moves that they did. They were minor. Uh, you know, the, one thing I will say, Ryan, I thought about this. Two things I'll say. One uh the offseason is always more exciting when your team's kind of shitty because they're making a lot more moves and there's the hope that they're gonna make more moves and also the offseason is more fun to talk about on a podcast when your team's shitty because you can talk about those fun things when your team's pretty solid and the top end of the rotation's pretty much solidified at that point you're speculating and wanting players that are fringe players and then the, the signings that are come in are those guys too so that was kind of part of the thing about the offseason compared to past years is you know no first round pick this past year uh they didn't uh really they weren't going for anybody who was like game breaking and uh you know that's probably my summary of the offseason there was one piece one or two pieces i was happy with we can talk about that if you want yeah we'll, we'll break that in a minute but that's you know that goes back to you know Usually our off-season episodes have to do with mock drafts and free agent signings, and there was little to none of that. Um, 
you know, obviously, and, and we could jump just real quick. We can briefly talk about, you know, obviously they brought off Sasha Vinzenkov or however you say his name. Uh, still waiting for Mark Jones to to say that so we can get it correct. Um, but, you know, JaVale McGee and uh, Chris Duarte and stuff. But, you know, no big splashes, no first-round draft pick this year. And like you said, that lineup is pretty solidified. Um already coming into the season, you know, we're probably going to get the same starting five we had for 82 games last year. So um, not much changes, but that's a good thing, right? You know, me and you have came on here multiple times over the years. And, and we said the biggest thing for Sacramento is just get us, get a starting five that you can run back three or four years in a row and give these guys a chance and give them a chance to get some continuity um, and, and gel with each other. So, uh, you know, our, our prayers have been answered, Eric. We got the same starting five, two years in a row. It's looking like, and I, I can't tell you the last time that happened in the Sacramento Kings, uh, era. It, it's probably been a long time, probably since the heyday that that's actually happened. So, uh, you know, a lot of things to look forward to this year. Uh, it, it's going to be a really good season. Um, you know, and, and watching, especially for me, you know, and I know I'm getting a little off topic for you, but, you know, especially seeing guys like Keegan Murray in the second year and, and seeing the jump that these guys make. So uh, really excited to see the same starting five back-to-back years and, you know, see what kind of improvements they make. It goes back to 2019 Kings guest, Brian. And I was, as we were going to do this episode, which is officially, I think, season four for us. I think I said it, but I'm pretty sure that it's season four. So 2019 is when we started the podcast before the season. And if you look at that time, you know, that's that was, you know, they had Bogdanovich and all these guys on the roster back in the day. And, and there was we everybody knew that that shit wasn't final. It wasn't going to be final. And over the over over time, it, it kind of turned into uh, a lot of moves and and and, and doing all of that. Um, and one thing we always talked about back in the day was that that continuity thing and that's a sign of a good team and like you brought it up that was something like you uh, you know you know that you have the same lineup you can grow out there there's consistency and to be honest if i talk about one of the biggest strengths for the kings outside of his like individual player development last year it was that the kings were probably the healthiest team in uh the league last year and that really contributed that really contributed uh to their success you know and yeah, I think so it was, it, it was healthy by far. You know, when you look in the in the Western Conference, specifically the Pacific Division, there were stretches for every single team. You know, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors, uh, Phoenix, where they were missing not just one but both of their stars. And you have to attribute a lot of the success that Sacramento had last year because of the healthiness of the starting lineup and guys can you know, constantly being in the lineup and playing, you know, 70 plus games uh, over the course of the season. And when you look at the landscape of the NBA, that's kind of unheard of, right? Um, I, I haven't looked at the stats, but I would, you know, if I was a betting man, which I am, there you go. True. First one of the True. year. I say that all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would say that Sacramento probably had, um, you know, the highest percentage of uh, same starting lineup throughout the season, if that makes sense. I might have said that kind of confusing, but they had the same starting lineup more than anybody in the NBA. I, I would probably put money on that because um, it's true. You know, um, you know, when you look at it, Harrison Barnes, we know night in, night out, that guy's going to be in the lineup. But, you know, Darren Fox over the last few years has struggled with injuries after the All-Star break or excuse me after Christmas the last few years and and last year he was in the lineup and he was ready to rock and roll. And, um, you know, part of that same continuity of lineups is you can attribute as well to the Kings not sucking by the trade deadline. Right. So usually the Kings are sellers at the trade deadline and they're moving guys. And next thing you know, you got a new starting lineup, but, uh, you know, the success was, it was good for them. You know, they had that same starting lineup at the beginning of the season that they did the end of the season. And again, you know, you have to attribute their success to that. There's, there's a lot to be said about guys who play night in and night out uh, together. You know, you, you look at a lot of different teams like the Lakers last year that were just, man, how many different starting lineups those guys have with the Warriors, how many different starting lineups those guys have. Um, So it, it means a lot in the regular season, especially for a team like Sacramento, when you're building and you're trying to get to that next tier of the NBA. So uh, kudos to them. And I think that's going to be a big thing this year. 
you know, um, they're still that team that has, you know, probably one and a half stars. I don't know if I throw Sabonis really in a star um, category. Obviously, he's an all-star, but um, when you look at a guy like De'Aaron Fox, I think there's levels to that, right? So um, when you don't have the, you know, two clear superstars, I should say, um, continuity of lineups is key. You've got to have guys who are in the roster or in the lineup night in, night out. So uh, looking forward to see how that plays out this year. Yeah, I think the word superstar, I agree with you. That's the one, superstar. Uh, probably going to be a, a theme superstar, we talk yeah, about. I changed I change that. Yeah, probably a theme we'll talk about. You know, we start talking about future in the season and predictions and stuff. That's going to be something this year that you're gonna honestly going to have to assess uh, and account for that this year because it didn't happen last year. And it may happen this year. And, and what's the team going to look like um, from there? You know, and, and with that, like a right now, What's going on around the NBA with the riders and stuff? It's like a good time for people to start taking a look at uh, ranking teams prior to the season. You know, that's a, that's the, like a thing that you start to do. And then everyone will then start to project out their, their winners and pick their winners. And then, the, you know, who's going to place here and there. And, and um, with, with that, Ryan, I, I looked, uh, depending on the site, I've seen the Kings at, as low as 43 and a half over under win total for the season. And I've seen them around 45 as the over number. So I, I, you know, you can kind of see where that's at right there. Um, And I think one thing, you know, without let's give it some time and maybe a couple episodes before we predict the season. But one thing I wanted to bring to, to the table was uh, just kind of where the Western conference as a whole, man, they're, they're, I think the Western Conference is going to be extremely tough this year, and it looks a little bit different. So that's something I want to talk about. Um, you know, breaking down the Kings roster and the keys, I don't know. We have time for that. You know, there's still there's still the preseason and some things to think about, and, and I don't think they're clear on what they want to do with the rotation. Um, but I think the Western Conference is something initially that's what I'm looking at as everyone is ranking everything. It, there's about two teams who are bad. Like really bad. That's what I'm. That's kind of what I've taken away so far. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. And you know, we kind of talked about this the other day. It's fucking stacked, dude. From top to bottom, the Western Conference is pretty legit. And um, you know, there's the two teams that are at the bottom that I can think of just off the top of my head. It's probably Portland, right? Just because they traded away Dame. But even even a Portland team with Jeremy Grant and DeAndre Ayton and Scoot Henderson and uh, Anthony Simmons and you know, guys like Shaden Sharp in year two, um, you know, that's an interesting team. But, you know, really San Antonio's probably, if I had to pick, at the bottom of the list when it comes to the Western Conference, everybody else, if healthy, has a real case to be in the playoffs. You know, even, you know, you look at Minnesota with Anthony Edwards, who was the best player in USA basketball this year, and, um, you know, going to Memphis, who who's getting jaw back for the full year, who added Marcus Smart. You're getting a healthy Clippers team. You're getting a deeper, healthy Lakers team. Uh, the Warriors added Chris Paul. You're getting a full year of Kyrie and Luka. Uh, you're getting the reigning champs in Denver. Phoenix reloaded and got deeper with Kevin Durant trading, you know, John Drayton away, getting, uh, you know, Nurkic and having Devin Booker and uh, trading for Brad Bill. It's fucking loaded, man. That's just off of the top of my head of stuff that's happened in the last few months. So um, it's going to be interesting. And I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you kind of pulled us back from, you know, making our uh, predictions in the Western Conference because I, I, this is one of those years that you really have to sit down. You got to look at rosters top to bottom. Uh, most years I can come in here and you can kind of spit out, you know, the top four and probably the bottom four, um, but it's wide open. And you talked about the over-under for wins and losses of where riders are predicting Sacramento. Uh, but they're also predicting where they're going to line up uh, in the playoff race. And I've seen Sacramento as high as the four seed, and I've seen them as low as the 10 seed. And that's that's not a knock, I think, on Sacramento. Um, I think it's more a, uh, you know, just the belief in how deep the Western Conference is. You know, um, I, I just, you know, I just... 30 seconds ago listed off how deep it is and it's gonna be rough man i i the western conference is so loaded it's so superstar heavy um that it's gonna be difficult it's gonna take a year like last year where sacramento's healthy the whole season 
Um, and they're going to have to rely on guys like Keegan Murray making the next step to climb up higher in the rankings uh, or possibly even be in the middle of the pack of the playoff race. You know, it, it, you you lose some guys, you get injured, and next thing you know, you, you are out of that playoff race because of how deep the Western Conference is. So uh, that's something to look into, you know, for, for listeners and stuff. Go, you know, everybody thinks because Sacramento was ranked so high last year in the playoffs at the end of the season that – they're automatically just going to step back into that. I, I don't think that's the case. You know, teams get better, teams reload, teams get healthy. And uh, that that's going to be a big factor of where Sacramento lies in the in the landscape of the Western Conference. Well, there's a couple things you said there I want to point out. One is with everything going right and being perfect, and, it's, and honestly, the Western Conference still was pretty solid last year. 48 wins was the total. But you you said something there that I wanted to point out because I told you I hadn't been on Kingsland in fucking a month and a half and maybe not, maybe maybe longer, right? So I get in there today, and I'm reading through all the past posts and how, you know, fans are starting to talk about their, you know, where the Kings are going to fall as far as the power rankings. And someone put something in there about talking about the Kings, you know, I forget exactly what I predicted, but it was, it, it was further down than where they finished last year. And they got kind of pounced by someone in the thread talking about like, they made that point that, Oh, you know, do you think the Kings would be bad? They, they were good last year and they just got better. And that's, that's where you made the point in that just because the win totals at 43 and a half. And if you say, if you, if people are going to come out and predict five seats, six seats, seven seats, that that's not really that it's sliding the Kings as if they, they are shitty. It's just that like you're saying it's so loaded. And as you were reeling off teams at the top of your head, you know, I don't want to be dismissive this early in, in, in the preseason, but you also have teams like uh, Utah, who, you know, Utah is not a terrible basketball team. And then you have Houston, which Houston you can count on the last couple of years as being fucking pathetic, except they go out there and they get a veteran point guard of Van Fleet. They go out and get Dylan Brooks, who everyone likes to make fun of, but still he's been on solid teams, plus all the young guys that they have. Um, and when you start to play that game, that's what I talked about. There is about two teams who you know are probably going to be at the bottom, and that's, I agree with you. It's probably San Antonio, and it's probably Portland. It's just because of their youth. But there's no – I don't really know on here. I mean, Oklahoma City, they they have guys getting back. They're healthy. So, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think – in the, in years past, there's always been this, like, there's the top one or two teams that are clear-cut, you know, whether it's been the De- Denver Nuggets in the past or the Middle Warriors in the past – and then you have that next tier of teams who are kind of competing. And then there's always kind of been a bubble, you know, around the, uh, the you know, like it was the Kings of a couple of years ago, right? It, it was like 11, 10, 9, 8. There's a big one. Right now, the bubble could be anywhere from like four all the way down to 10. That's interesting. It's never really been like that. It really is interesting. And if you take a look at it objectively, and not like as the Kings' individual success based on last year. I think you can kind of see that, and that's what I think is going to be tough this year as you go into the season. You know, the Lakers too. The Lakers, they they their roster is reloaded as shit, and you can kind of go around and play this game with everybody. You know what I mean? Hundred percent, dude. It's a you know, it's a, it's a superstar league, man. And when you look at the Western Conference, almost every single team has a superstar, and uh, you know, you, you never want to count those guys out and people forget, you know, that's one thing that, that a lot of fans do is they're like, Oh, that team sucked last year. They're going to suck this year. Well, why did they suck? Did they have a superstar injured? You know, which, uh, you know, a lot of teams do that happens. Injuries happen. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I really think that, and I agree that the four to probably the 10 seed is it's give or take, dude, you just never know what's going to happen. It's so fucking loaded that, um, you know, w- one player from any team who's a superstar misses a 10-game stretch, that can set you back four or five games to where you don't make that up, right? So um, the biggest thing in the NBA is, is stay healthy and you should be okay. So, um, you know, all things being the same and, you know, guys don't get injured and guys don't miss time. Sacramento will be fine, right? But there's always that, oh, you know, Darren Fox rolls his ankle and has to miss a couple weeks, then that's going to set teams, you know, it's going to set them back. So, um, 
you know, when I, when I do my projections and I, and I look at the landscape of the Western conference, I'm going to take stuff like that into account, but uh, it's going to be a rough one, dude. Usually, like we said, if you guys go back and listen to the previous three seasons, we've been able to come on here and, and rattle off, right? This is probably what it's going to be. And we're pretty accurate when you look at it, you can fact check it. You can look it up all you want. We've been pretty spot on. Um, obviously there's some outliers with, you know, guys missing the season, you know, guys getting hurt and superstars getting hurt. But uh, for the most part, we've been pretty accurate. And this is one of those years where I'm like, holy shit, man, I got to go back, look at the rosters. And I have to think about this because there is such a small margin of error uh, from the f- probably four seed to the 10 seed that, you know, one little thing happens and there goes the season and you're, you're missing the playoffs or you're in the plan and you're in a shitty spot. Well, that's what's making this year tough. And that's why I don't want to be a bitch, but I am going to take some time to put my brain back in NBA mode and, and think about things over the next couple of weeks. And, and honestly, you listen to what people are saying about, about teams and kind of factor in. But I, I do want to take the conversation here, Ryan, because at the same time, I don't want to be that guy. And I, I try not to be this guy in King's guest. It comes on here and hedges my bets, talks it on both sides of my ass. That way people think I'm, you know, uh, just trying to appease everybody. And, and But I am going to say this. I'm going to say that one thing I do believe is that, and I, with the fans that are saying this, I do believe the Kings are legit. You know, I don't think that last year was this one year, you know, thing where they just shot up and ascended and then it's going to fall apart. What they have is repeatable for sure for a lot of reasons that we can talk about. I think that the Kings floor is a lot higher um, and I think it might even be a lot higher than even people out there that cover the, you know, the cover basketball on, you know, ESPN or Bleacher or wherever else. I think it's maybe higher than even they think it is. Um, so, you know, when we start in past years, I think there was this thing where, as the Kings were ascending, you'd throw, you know, team, you know, A out here and, 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 you know, you wanted to say that the Kings were in the same tier as them, but realistically, maybe they weren't. An example of a team to me is like the Memphis Grizzlies. In years past, uh, you know, you, the Kings wanted to be there, but they weren't. But right now, we start talking about teams like that. I think as going into the season, as healthy and looking at the potential for a repeatable last season, the Kings are on the levels of those teams. And that is what is interesting and fun about a Kings fan going into the season is I don't think there's this punching up thing going on this year. I really don't. I don't think there's this inferiority thing. I think the Kings are legit there. It's just things are going to have to be factored in throughout a long season to decide the end game. But as you look at at it going in, um, I I think the Kings are for real, for real, you know, and and are on par. And when we start having conversations with those teams, the Kings are there and it's okay to say that. Yeah, for sure. They're not inferior, right? Like, um, definitely not. I, I don't think last year was a fluke, um, but it's just a small margin of error, right? Like it's, you know, I, if you, you could give me probably a million different scenarios, one through eight, you know, forget the play and stuff. You can give me a million scenarios, one through eight of where teams land. And I wouldn't be surprised. It's like I said, there's such a small margin of error that, you know, one bad thing goes wrong for two or three teams. And, you know, the the whole Western Conference is, you know, discombobbled and it's it's completely upside down from what we thought it was going to be. But um, uh, for sure, I think Sacramento has arrived. I, I think there's talent on this roster, obviously. De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, Keegan Murray, you know, uh, Malik Monk being a legitimate six-man candidate, uh, Kevin Herter being the sniper that he is, and, uh, you know, Harrison Barnes just continuously doing what Harrison Barnes does you know, steady presence and playing almost, you know, 82 games every single year. That is, there is something to be said about that, right? But um, it's just so loaded. When I look at rosters and I look at, you know, how teams are are laid out and it's like, oh man, you know, one slip up and, and you're out of it. And it's not to discredit any other team. It's just the way it is. And, um, you know, the the Western Conference hasn't been this loaded in a few years and it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. It's one of those years that I can I can literally look at the Western Conference and I go, well, man, shit, there's probably seven teams that if they got in the NBA championship or the NBA finals, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. It's not like the Eastern Conference. There's two or three teams. 
but in the Western Conference final or the Western Conference, there's seven teams that are, if you were to tell me today, like, hey, man, uh, eight months from now, this team's going to be playing in the NBA Finals. I'd be like, ah, I, I could see that. I can see a world where that happens. So, um, But it's fun, right? It, it's it's good, and it's different from years past where Sacramento's included in that. Um, you know, it's something to look forward to, and it makes the games on Tuesday nights when they're playing some random freaking team like the Washington Wizards uh, interesting, right? Because it's like, wow, man, all these teams are good, and hey, we got to come out and play. It's Tuesday night. The stadium's probably not filled because they're playing at 7 o'clock at night on a Tuesday in January. Uh, but this game matters, right? And it's it, it, it's a good feeling to where games in November, games in December, games in January freaking matter. Um, so, I, again, I'm looking forward to it. There's some, there's something that I, I'm i really excited by going into the season. And... Um, and it all comes from, you know, the, the playoff series last year. And I'm, I'm really happy that De'Aaron Fox is actually, you know, we talked about last year. Like, he, he got his credit, you know, and dominated in the uh, – I, I think De'Aaron Fox kind of, like, dominated in the postseason as far as uh, showing off and, and getting high. So, we're now going into the season – people are talking about him as like the legit guy and putting him in the conversation with other people. And that's something I'm really excited about. I mean, I've been waiting for that for like for a long time, you know, as a, as a big deer and Fox fan as I am. And as, as he, as you are as well. Um, so that's something that's swirling around right now. There was a comment floating around today, Stephen A. Smith talking about him. Not that who gives a shit what Stephen A. Smith is talking about, but when Stephen A. is talking about it, the Kings, that's how you know that people in general are thinking about it. And so that's one big thing going into the season I'm excited about. Yeah, hundred percent. I think, uh, you know, it's about fucking time first off, right? Me and you have been saying this since we started the podcast in 2019 that, you know, Darren Fox has the potential to be the best point guard in the NBA. Right. Um, you know, you look at it now and obviously it's Steph Curry, but there is, there is a real, there's a chance and there's a world out there where, in a timeline where De'Aaron Fox is probably the best point guard in the NBA. And that's a good feeling. Right. But, um, you know, that doesn't happen with, without him being healthy, like he was last year. And, you know, obviously the success that Sacramento had kind of put them on, you know, the national stage, everybody knows the last fucking five years, these guys have had probably four nationally televised games. So, um, you know, I expect him to be when, you know, probably about two weeks from now when, ESPN and all these other freaking FS1 and all this stuff are doing their MVP rankings and you know trying to predict out who's going to get the the end of season awards. I expect Aaron Fox to be in the MVP voting. I I expect him to be up there, um, and that's a good feeling, dude. It's freaking awesome, man. And and it's about fucking time that people recognize how talented he is. You know, um, you know it's kind of late, but going back to that Golden State series in the playoffs, man. He was the talk, dude. It, the talk was, holy shit, De'Aaron Fox is really good. You know, and, and it just kind of validates everything that me and you have said, right? It's a good feeling when you've been saying this for a few years and um, the time comes and the guy fucking delivers like you knew he would, right? So um, I expect nothing less than, you know, a point better and assist better and a rebound better, you know, this year average-wise from him. So... Um, but I did see the Stephen A thing and, you know, every time I see that stuff, dude, it's hard as a Sacramento Kings fan, right? Because for the last 20 years, pretty much my, uh, you know, my whole teenage and adult life, Sacramento hasn't been in that context. I can't remember the last time I, I watched ESPN and, or whatever it was and, or first take or whatever the hell Stephen A is on. And they talked about a Sacramento King in a positive way. Right. The whole thing with Boogie was how negative the guy was. Nobody give a shit how talented he was. Um, but I can't remember the last time that happened. And it's good to be on there and, and see that. But it's even a better feeling when you've been talking about it for a few years and you knew it was going to happen. And then it finally fucking hits and he gets on national television and he tears everybody up. And, uh, you know, it's just again, it's it's a great feeling. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it, dude. There is no reason why De'Aaron Fox doesn't take it another level this year, right? And really cement himself as probably a top three point guard in the NBA, 
right? Last year, me and you were calling for him to be an all-star. I'm coming on right now, episode one, before the season even starts. I, I'm looking at Darren Fox being a top three-point guard in the NBA and being in the MVP voting. I, I really believe he's that talented. Um, he's that athletic. He's that special. And now that Sacramento actually has a little credibility around them, um, he's going to be in that conversation for sure. So I'm looking at the ESPN player ranking that came out, and um, I can't I can't be all hype and buy into the, this now because I've always cheated on this list because I think it's I stupid. I already know where you're going. I already know where you're today. Yeah, number one would be that De'Aaron Fox is ranked higher than John Morant. So John, John Morant is 35. De'Aaron Fox is, is, is uh, 23 on the rankings. It's bonus 22. But, you know, fuck these rankings because Tyrese Halliburton's 21. So I don't know if you saw that. And then Anthony Edwards. I'm a, I fucking love Anthony Edwards, okay? I'm a big Anthony Edwards fan. I'm a big Anthony Edwards fan. Number 13 player in the NBA. I, 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 if it means anything, I love Anthony Edwards. What the fuck has Anthony Edwards done to be the number 13 best player in the NBA over, you know, a bunch of these guys? I don't understand. So, you know, as much as I'd love to say how cool – I will say fuck John Morant because we've always said that. And if any guy lost his stock um, more than anybody last year, it was that guy. And I'm not a, I'm not mad about it. But uh, as much as I'm happy that he's ahead of the rankings, i got to say fuck these rankings because – these guys above everybody just fucking loves Tyrese Halliburton. Now that I'm trying to talk about Tyrese Halliburton some more on King's cast, but what the fuck ESPN? This this is kind of a dumb ranking. So Sabonis is one person or one ranking higher than Deer and Fox. Yeah, like you know what that is? That's being too cute. That's that's some that's, jerk off writer being just, too cute. It, that's just some bullshit, right? And we, we, we love, don't want to differentiate we love, them, so we're going to put one before. Like, fuck off. And obviously, we love Demontis Sabonis, right? I think Sabonis is a really good player, but let's be realistic about the situation. Okay, I, I started the episode off by saying one's a star, one's a superstar. Okay, And it was obvious in the playoffs. So, obviously, these dudes don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Um, the exposure for the Kings probably hasn't been enough Right. And, you know, it'll get there. Right. Everything seems to work its way out when it when it comes down to it. Right. There'll there'll be a time where De'Aaron Fox really showcases how good he is. And it's not taken away from DeMontis Sabonis. But, you know, let's be real about the situation. You know, De'Aaron Fox has the ability to be again, like I, I just talked about the top point guard in the NBA. Does Sabonis have the ability to be at the top center? Probably not. And that's not a knock on him. That's, you know, he's a, what, a three-time all-star, right? He's really, really, really good NBA player. But how can you rank, you know, Sabonis above Fox? I, I don't know. That's just probably coming from guys who looked at the end of the year and saw that Sabonis averaged 19 to 12. And, oh, look how efficient he was. And, you know, he played, he did this, or he had five or six assists or whatever the hell it was. That's what that's what I'm chalking that up to, um, but the Tyrese Halliburton thing, okay, I, I can't let that I can't let that slide. Um, me and Eric, you guys want to go fact check us? Go listen about seventy episodes of, seventy episodes ago on our Spotify or whatever the hell account we got going on now. And uh, believe podcast network, yeah, believe, yeah, thank or you. Or wherever you podcast, yeah, shout out. Well, we're, we're on Spotify as well, but shout out, believe. Uh, but go look about 70 episodes ago. We were talking about Tyrese Halliburton getting moved before he got moved and about how, you know, moving Fox to the off ball like they did two seasons ago was wrong and how De'Aaron Fox clearly uh, was the better player and he was the more athletic player and they were underutilizing him. So um, how you can put a guy above a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, who I'm not saying he's not a good player, but how you can put him above a guy like De'Aaron Fox who, just led his team to a really, really, really good season and took the defending champs to a seven-game freaking series um, opposed to a guy who didn't make the playoffs. How, how can you put that guy ahead of him? Is uh, It's kind of dumbfounding. I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. But people love Tyrese Halliburton, and I still don't understand it. I don't understand why the national media loves him so much. Why does this guy get so much love and so much credit over a guy like De'Aaron Fox, who has, you know, three seasons now proved himself. It's just weird to me. Well, I think I had, I mean, I have the answer on that. And I think it's just the, 
from everything, it goes back to when when the Kings uh, traded him and J.J. Redick said all that shit. And Tyrese Halliburton is an analytics uh, dream guy. That's really what it comes down to. You know, when you start breaking around his shooting percentage and stuff and his, his, his uh, assists plus his scoring, uh, people just love that shit. I mean, really, it's, it, that's what it is. It just comes down to that. It's an analyst, and, and it's people who want to outsmart the room. That's what was always my thing about Tyrese Alberton, is they want to outsmart the room and, and and focus on that. But you know, eh, you know, I say I'm not. I've never said Tyrese Alberton's a bad player. I, I just he's not as good as Darren Fox. I'm fucking close. Like not even fucking close. And I think that all he's ever done to this point is put up some okay numbers, some solid numbers on bad teams, on losing teams. That's all he's ever done. So to be ranked above them after that last year, you could you could fuck off. That's basically a couple of something. Something me and you always said about De'Aaron Fox is, you know, uh, no matter how good we thought he was going to be or how good we thought he was at the time, we always understood that until you win games, it doesn't matter, right? You can put up all the stats you want, you can show all the potential you want, but you have to win. Right. And that's why we never caused too big of a fuss about Darren Fox not getting the credit that he deserved. Uh, but Fox has won games, right? Fox is he he's arrived. Okay. Like it was very obvious that, you know, outside of Steph Curry last year in the playoffs and in that series in the first round, that Darren Fox was the second best player. And it wasn't as wide a margin as people would have thought going into that. Uh, you know, until Tyrese Halliburton wins games and gets in the playoffs and makes a run and, you know, clearly sets himself apart from others at his position. I, I don't want to hear it, dude. Why are we crowning guys who are putting up, you know, 20 and 10 stats on a bad fucking team, right? Why, why are we crowning that? That was always the knock on De'Aaron Fox a couple of years ago when they didn't make the playoffs, when he averaged, what, 25.8 points per game. People were saying, you know, well, they're bad. And, you know, he, he put up stats on a bad team who, why are we not holding people to the same standard? And we've come on here and said that many, many times, but you know, it wouldn't be right for us as Kings cast to come on here and not say it again for the millionth time, the first episode of the year. Why are we crowning guys who have done nothing in the NBA? Right. De'Aaron Fox has clearly, clearly taken the next step and it has arrived. So, uh, and again, this isn't, this isn't really a knock on Tyrese Halliburton's game. It's just kind of a, uh, you know, me trying to justify why, why, right? Why is that guy in that position when we didn't give De'Aaron Fox that, right? Why is this guy being crowned? Um, I've heard the term a point God thrown, thrown around in, in Kingsland as well, because we know Kings fans love Tyrese Halliburton, you know, and I've, I've heard the term king or point God thrown around. And it's like, why? The guy hasn't won games. He's been on a losing team his first three years in the NBA. You know, he's, he hasn't made the playoffs. He's putting up, you know, quote unquote, empty stats. Why should we give this guy the benefit of the doubt when we don't give other guys the benefit of the doubt? So that's what yeah. bugs me about the whole. That's what bugs me about the whole Tyrese Halliburton thing is. It's not his talent. It's and I think he's a really good player. And I think he's going to be a really good player. He's probably going to be probably, you know, a five or six, seven time all-star. Right. And it's not, it's not me knocking his game. It's just it's more knocking the national media of crowning a guy like that when he hasn't done anything in the NBA. And it kind of goes towards the the Anthony Edwards thing that you talked about. You know, they have Anthony Edwards up there ranked. What was that? 13? What has Anthony Edwards done in the NBA? You know, I know he was probably the best team on the on the USA USA team, like I said earlier. But last time I checked, didn't they finish fucking bronze? Right? You know, like let's be realistic about the situation. Why That's are we crowning guys? Yeah, why are we crowning guys before they've arrived? You know, it's one of those things. Like, you know, you, you brought up Houston earlier, and they oh, we got Fred Van Fleet, and they got Dylan Brooks. Yeah, they got Jalen Green, they got Alperin Sagoon, they got they got Jabari Smith, and yeah, they're going to be a fun team to watch. But I'm not going to put them in the tier with those playoff teams until you fucking arrived and you've showed me, right? I'm not going to crown guys before they got there. I don't I don't I don't believe in that. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys in the history of the NBA when you look at them and you're like that guy's fucking talented, that guy can score, that guy could do A, B and C. And they didn't get it done when it came down to winning games, right? And um, another team that I that I'm infatuated with really is Portland. 
you know, Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson and guys like that. And it's like, that's going to be a fun team to watch. Right. But you're going to be putting up empty stats on, on a shitty team. And at the, you know, later on in the end, you know, probably towards the all-star game, you're going to be seeing Scoot, not Scoot Henderson, uh, Shaden Sharp averaging 20 plus a game. And people are going to be like, Oh, look at how good Shaden Sharp is. Well, how many games have they won? Right. And I, and I really look at that stop crowning guys before they win fucking games and they've actually done something in the NBA. And I, and I think we've been fair on that take, Eric, um, you know, with the deer and foxing meaning have abdicated for him, but we understood why he wasn't putting into that tier. Right. We've understood why people in the national media never gave him the attention before last season. Right. Because he hadn't fucking done anything. He hadn't won anything. He hadn't been in the playoffs. He hadn't shown on the national stage that he can hang with the top dogs. So why are we doing that for guys like Tyrese Halliburton? Why are we doing that for guys like Anthony Edwards? So, uh, you know, I kind of went off on a tangent and stuff, and I get, I, I get worked up about this stuff, but it's fucking true. You know, until you show me something and you can win games and, and win meaningful games and you can be on the national stage beating the best of the best, I don't want to fucking hear it. So we've always been the biggest De'Aaron Fox apologist out there in Kingsland, and that's 100% for fucking sure. Like Ryan said, you can go back and check. I mean, we did that episode before the trade deadline a, a couple of years ago. Where we It was like in December, so it was a little bit before. When, and when everybody wanted to trade here in Fox, and we talked about they should trade Halliburton. And I think a lot of the reasons you and I got so loud about De'Aaron Fox and defending him and becoming apologists for him initially is because we kind of, as Kings fans and pertaining to the Kings, we always knew he was better. But for us, too – there was another example out there, like, and, and, you know, maybe the media, maybe fans will learn their lesson. But if you look at John Morant, I mean, he's kind of in that boat. Look at him. I mean, they were very quick to crown John Morant, although his statistical output wasn't elite. It wasn't like so crazy early in his career. And to be quite honest with you, the Memphis Grizzlies record over a two year span without him was, uh, had a, a I mean, if you help me remember, Ryan, it was a significant win percentage without the guy. I mean, significant win percentage. Off the off the top of my head, I think it was, I think it was two years ago. Everything blurs together right now, and I got to do my homework better on this during the off season. But they were like twenty something and five. I think it was two years ago without John Morant. And I, yeah, and I he, think that's kind of what you're hitting to. And it, yeah, that was that's legit. Look it up. That that was true. You take Darren Fox out of the Sacramento Kings roster for 32 games, 35 games. It's not close. It's not close. And that was our argument with John Moran. It was people were crowning this guy. And you look at his roster and it's like, these guys are fucking winning games without him. How is that possible? If he's as good as you say he is and he's doing all these things, you know, and he's doing A, B, and C and affecting winning and all this crazy shit that you guys talk about, why is this team winning, you know, 90% of, plus of his games without that guy, right? So I, I'm very cautious to crown guys before they win. Um, Deer and Fox, like I said, w- me and you were very high on him, but we understood why he wasn't getting that attention. The one thing I don't understand, again, is why guys get attention when they're not winning games, especially oh. in a place like Indiana, especially in a place like Memphis, where it's like, really? These this these franchises notoriously have never won anything. What I'll say to finish my thought, though, is that with uh, with the John Moran thing, I mean, maybe they learned their lesson in the, in the dissent that, that that guy's had. I mean, probably the roughest year of any, quote-unquote, superstar player last year. And not looking highly on him this year. And as that team starts to deteriorate a little bit over the next couple of years, maybe things won't look the same and maybe people won't think as highly. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, I guess. But the biggest thing is that we're trying to tell people is time will tell. And until time tells, you know, back off a little bit. But I think it always comes down to, Ryan, when it comes to the national stuff, it's it's somebody trying just to be smarter. If they can – if they can say this early, when the, what they can do is at the end of the season, if it comes to fruition, they can look back and say, see, I'm the smartest guy in the room because I thought this a year ago, yeah. you know, and uh, I thought this a year ago. And so look what happened. And so, you know, we do that in a sense. And we've done that with the Kings over the years, but we truly passionately felt that. And for the most part, like they did come to fruition. So that's, you know, so it, it, I get the projection of things. 
when you start ranking things, and if you add apps to us in the past to rank the Kings team or to rank Pierre and Fox, we would have been realistic because we can take a step back on all that. I want to add, throw in one other thing, Ryan, because we've been rolling. And I, I'll tell you what, I haven't talked about the Kings in a minute, dude. Me and you have been talking a lot. It's all been football. It's all been just other shit. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of jacked talking about the Kings right now. Keegan Murray is the big topic in Kingsland, too, because uh, they're really going to need him to take that next step. Um, I'm surprised. He, I am surprised because uh, he's one of those guys that's super likable, shoots the three, et cetera. I'm surprised I'm not hearing a little more national media talk, the way people love everybody all the time. Whatever. I don't care, I guess, with him. But uh, the Kings are really going to need that dude to step up. That's for fucking sure. I was looking today. The Kings, the forward spot's probably the one position on the roster that's not as solidified as far as a clear rotation. Not clear rotation, but depth and rotation. You know, they bring up the Zenkop. There's a thing comes out today, yesterday, something. Mike Brown doesn't even know if he's going to be part of the rotation. I'm seeing like Kings fans are expect, were expecting that guy to play 20 minutes a game for some reason. I don't know where they thought those minutes were going to come from. In his first year in the NBA, probably can't play defense. So really relying on Keegan Murray a lot this year, especially with Harrison Barnes, probably taking a step really further down where you might even be like the sixth score on the roster, fifth or sixth score. That's a big, that's a big topic for me. Uh, I think as we go into the season. Yeah. When it comes to Pesenkov, man, it's, you just really never know, right? Like some guys make the adjustment from the early league and they're, and they're fine. Some guys struggle. Um, I'm not going to come on here and try to make a prediction at the moment about saying this guy's not going to be this, or he's not going to be that. Um, uh, one thing I will say is Mike Brown saying he's not going to be in the rotation. Uh, it's complete horseshit. I think he said not sure how much. Not sure. No, I, he, you know, I, I, I want to say it was, I don't know if he's going to be in the rotation. I, you can look it up and you can read it for me in a second, but I call complete horseshit. I, I don't really believe that the early league MVP comes over without assurances. Uh, <laughs> like that. He's, paying, he's making almost 7 million a year. And I got the quote, right? It's, it's from Jason Anderson. Kingsland's. Jason yeah, Anderson, Jason Anderson like, solid. Yeah, he's a solid, yeah. Yeah, solid source. So he says, Mike Brown says he doesn't know yet if, if Sasha Vizenkov will be part of the rotation when the regular season begins. Yeah, I, I, I kind of call horse shit on that. Um, again, EuroLeague MVP is not coming over unless he's having assurances that he's get, probably going to play. Um, 20 minutes a night, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Is the guy going to have spots where he's you know where he plays a lot and he probably sits a lot yeah probably because it kind of depends on the matchup that you have that night um but when you look at the king's roster you know adding javel mcgee um you know having trey Lyles, having keegan murray having harrison barnes you know guys who all kind of play his position yeah there's some depth issues right but um there is going to be times where the guy plays there's probably times where he doesn't but um, you know, I, I just have a hard time believing Mike Brown telling the EuroLeague MVP who's coming over here. Yeah, we, we're not really sure what your role's going to be. Yeah, kind of, you know, okay. Um, so I, I, I kind of take that as, you know, Mike Brown's just kind of trying to see where he fits in in the roster. But um, it that that I saw that quote, me and I talked about this. It doesn't really make sense to me. I don't really understand it. Um, but I, you know, as, as far as the four position, like you said, that's kind of where the position where they're kind of light, I'm kind of the opposite, man. I think there's a little different ways that they can go about that situation. You know, having Len still on the roster, having JaVale McGee, uh, having Keegan Murray, having Harrison Barnes, having Zinkoff, having Sabonis, um, me and you have talked about it before. Sabonis is probably more of a natural four. I think there's going to be, you know, a lot of situations where they maybe go big, maybe they go small, but uh, me and you have talked on the Kings cast before about versatility of lineups, right? So that's where the whole stretches come of maybe he plays a lot of minutes one night, maybe he doesn't play the next night. That's just going to be dependent on matchups. And I think the, the four position is actually a strength of them where I think they're really deficient at is the three position, right? Having a, you know, kind of a, um, guys to fill in for for Harrison Barnes and Keegan Murray um, who can kind of play defense because you already said you know Vizankov not really playing defense I, I don't really know but um, you know having that position where you can play on the perimeter is kind of is my take on that is where kind of where they're deficient but it's going to be interesting we'll see um, 
but again, I, I think it's kind of horseshit that Bazenkov's not going to fucking be a part of the rotation. I, I, I truly have a hard time believing that this guy came over over the last few years since they've had his rights, um, you know, that he didn't have assurances before he came over. Right. You're, you're the Euro League MVP. You could stay in Europe and you could probably win two or three more MVPs and you can go down as a legend over there and all this stuff. Well, they make money over there as well. Right. Why make the jump to the NBA if you don't have assurances that you're going to be part of the rotation? To me, that doesn't make sense. Just, and I have no sources, right? This is me, just some guy at my fucking house looking on the internet and paying attention to the NBA and the EuroLeague and stuff. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. For Mike Brown to come out and say that, it was weird, right? It's like, I, I think more of what he probably should have said is what his role was going to be in the rotation. Is he going to play the three or is he going to play the th- is he going to play the four? What is he going to do? So um, I will be shocked if that 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 guy is just not in the rotation at all. That that would be extremely shocking to me. Maybe he was trying to temper people's expectations because that's like, kind of what I was saying. A lot of and I I didn't. I, I maybe I didn't say it clear. I, I said the four word position initially. That's what I meant. So I agree with you. I mean, Chris Duarte, they're probably going to play, I'm assuming. Um, and, you know, those other guys. But I, I'm thinking what's probably the case is that they, uh, he's probably trying to temper the expectations because I'm, when I, I told you, I logged on is so long in Kingsland and I went and looked around and, um, the, uh, people are expecting this guy to be like almost like starters level minutes. And maybe that maybe it was just with maybe it was just a response to that. Maybe that's possible. Um, you know, but people got to realize, right? You have a Keegan Murray who's twenty two or twenty three now. I can't remember off the top of my head, right? Who's ascending? Who me and you are big on, and we think he's going to take the next step this year. But you have a guy like Harrison Barnes who plays hell of fucking minutes, dude, and plays every night. That is one of the most positive things that Harrison Barnes go- has going for him. Is he plays a lot of he plays a lot of minutes. He plays a lot of nights. And then you have a guy like Trill Lyles who's proven um, that he can he can be in those minutes and stuff. So I you know I can see your take on that, but the way that Mike Brown made it sound is part of the rotation. I take that as you're playing kind of the Alex Len role from last year where Len plays four or five game stretch heavy and then you don't see him for a fucking month. Right. That's what I took from that, from that, uh, you know, little freaking quote that he put out there. So we'll see, man. I, I think as Kings fans, I think again, temper the expectations, right? You have maybe Harrison Barnes who plays a lot of minutes. You have Keegan Murray, who's, ascending and we think is going to take the next step temper the expectations but um you know playing kind of the malik monk role for the guards you know vizankov playing for that role for the forwards i i think that that's highly possible yeah and maybe they're just gonna slow play him i don't know i mean he's kind of like being a rookie coming to the nba but we i guess like you said we're just gonna have to read into it and see more like we're gonna have to do with a lot of shit ryan because it's all starting back up again I'm not really watching a lot of preseason games. Are you watching a lot of preseason games? Are you going to do that? Not a chance. I sold my tickets already. Yeah, I'm not really a big. I don't watch. I always say it every year. I don't watch preseason NFL, and I'm not a really a big preseason NBA guy. I just don't care enough. It's not a true representation. So until then, we just have to keep talking on Kingsland. And we promise, although we've been gone for a minute, we're really excited. We'll be back and we'll be keep coming to you weekly. If it's your first time checking out our show, uh, we appreciate you listening in. If you've been here for a while, we always appreciate you listening. So if you ever want to interact or, with us or be a part of the show, you can always do so by tagging us. You can find Ryan and I on Twitter and Facebook at Kings cast Eric and Kings cast Ryan. Uh, we are also really active now that the season's on on our Facebook group Kingsland 7,000 members number one Facebook group and it's a cool place to talk with other Kings fans if you want to support our show please slide down on Apple Podcasts or slide up on Spotify and leave us a quick five star review it does help us reach more Kings fans just like you and as always you can check us out on the Believe Podcast Network where we are the Sacramento Kings signature show so with that for Ryan this is Eric go Kings
Thanks. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.